Welcome to the Home Court Vantage Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht, and with me again is Alex Spears. At the beginning of the season, we went through each position and ranked um, the ranked the players at the beginning of the year preseason. And now that we have a lot of data on this particular season, we're going to go back and rank each position, starting with small forward today. And Alex has developed our method of which we're ranking these players. So I'm going to turn it over to Alex to talk about that. All right. So the first thing I did was choose our pool of players. So we honestly, or obviously only wanted small forwards. And to decide that, I only took guys who played at least 50% of their minutes at the small forward position. Um, So there are some guys that in your head you might think of as traditionally small forwards, or even a guy like Jared Dudley, who on a lot of teams probably would be a small forward, but he's played more power forward this year. Um, So I left him off. Um, So I ended up with 24 players. I wanted all the really good guys, all the obvious names. And then I added just in like a bunch of random guys that I was kind of interested in, uh, like Matt Barnes, only because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> just wanted to see how he ranked up. I wanted to see where our Porter was um, because he was really good last year and we had seen that he had started to fall off at the beginning of this year. And then guys like Jeff Green or PJ Tucker that I know they're not going to end up in the top 10. I kind of just want to see where they, where they are. Um, so that was our pool of players. So there's 24 guys. And then we ended up choosing 12 stats. Um, and just running through the stats real quick, points per chance, points per shot. Those were our two main offensive scoring stats. Um, and true facilitation, set screen outcome efficiency, um, offensive rebounds per chance, defensive rebounds per chance, points against per shot, which is our main defensive stat, uh, fouls per shot. Then points allowed per screen, closeout points allowed, beat back on D-rate, and turnovers force per chance. So you can tell just by the titles of those that there's a ton of defensive stats. Um, So we did want to weight it a little bit to favor the offensive players a little more just because there were so many defensive stats. So I did count points per chance twice. Um, And we came up with a total ranking, 1 through 24, which we're going to discuss now. All right, so let's uh, let's start with number one small forward of the 2015-16 season. And it's LeBron James. I was honestly a little surprised. I mean, not super surprised because he was number one last year. Yeah. Um, more just because, if I don't know, if you've been listening to a lot of the popular NBA podcasts, I feel like everyone's talking about how his defense has really fallen off this year, and it's not to the level that it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would say, at least by these stats, um, he still shows up really well in a lot of key defensive statistics. Yeah, I mean, it it is kind of shocking to see him rank above Kawhi Leonard in points against per shot. Um, Just to just to assess that out, we've we've talked about this. Like, if you're in the '90s, um, that means that you're you're pretty decent, and then if you're um, in like the '80s, that's elite. Uh, and LeBron James is in at an 88, a .88 uh, points against per shot, which is great. Uh, and then Kawhi is at a .92. And <clears throat> I, I guess maybe some reasoning for that could be that uh, Kawhi is always taking the toughest defensive assignment. Um, so his ability may may not be showing up as much in this stat. Um, and then with, with the Cavs, I mean, LeBron still does take a lot of tough defensive assignments, but... Uh, I would say not to the same degree as Kawhi, um, but yeah, he looks he looks just as good. Um, he's obviously he's handling the ball. His true facilitation is 
um, the first among all these guys by a mile. <laughs> he's He's been really good um, at that. I guess the only guy who's close is Evan Turner, who plays a, who plays a pretty similar role when he does play um, as a primary ball handler. Um, but LeBron is still an elite scorer. He's an elite passer. He's still a great defender. And um, still... I mean, you could still, people aren't really saying this, but you could still argue that he's the most talented player in the NBA today. I don't know that Steph Curry is certainly the hot name and he's certainly the best scorer in the league, but overall, um, and the playoffs may bear this out, that he still could be the best player in the league. And I sure, I'm sure a lot of it is just fatigue. You know, LeBron's been around so long, he's been the number one player in the league for so long. Uh, that we're we're all very ready to like crown yes. the next person, yeah. Um, and, and we kind of already did that with Steph Curry, but now even with small forwards, it's kind of like, who are you rank? Who do you rank first between Durant, Leonard, and LeBron? And I think a lot of people would probably put LeBron third right now. Sure, yeah. Um, and that's... I mean, I was I was listening to Nate Duncan and Danny Larue, and they both had Durant and Kawhi above LeBron. Yeah, and it and it's. I don't know if, like, I mean, LeBron has had a, a weird couple months with, like, his social media stuff and his, like, his yes. beha- his behavior around the team has been really weird. Um, but he's still had an incredible season, probably probably his most underrated season that he's ever had because really nobody's talking about him. And, and it's largely just because there's no real competition in the East and we really just need the playoffs to, to see the value. But uh, I think he's having a really underrated season. Yeah, I don't know why it bothers me so much, but LeBron's like passive aggressiveness just like makes me so uncomfortable. It's it's yeah, just I, it's just I, unnecessary. I wish he would just come out and just say whatever he's actually thinking. <laughs> he's been doing this. Have, he's been doing this for years, though. You know, like this is. No, he has. This, this is how he leads. He's constantly bringing attention to the unnecessary attention to the Cavaliers. Um, I mean, it was like this all last year. Like the whole like Kevin Love stuff was just all over the media all the time. Um, I don't know. It's it's very odd, but he is very talented. I wanted to pose this question: Put Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard in LeBron's shoes in Cleveland, where basically both those guys become more of a primary ball handler and more basically in charge of the offense, would these rankings be any different? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that and on so, the one and, hand... And like put LeBron in KD's shoes where he's playing with Russell Westbrook instead of Kyrie Irving. Right, yeah. You know, no, yeah, that, that's true. And that definitely, a couple of these stats, like in particular offensive rebounding, which Durant shows up, horrible in yeah like that's definitely a product of the team he's on because the thunder are just a great rebounding team um so there definitely is a team component to a lot of these stats i don't know at least for Kawhi, Kawhi just doesn't his his offense is world better than it used to be but he still is not as versatile as lebron or durant yeah um so yeah i don't it's really weird for me to think about Kawhi on the Cavs. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you could kind of slot LeBron right in. I mean, slot uh, Durant right in. Yeah. And that was kind yeah, of my overall thought is that maybe Durant 
is getting a statistical hit because of the team that he's on more so than LeBron or even Kawhi. Yeah. Because he could, he could be doing so much more than what he's being asked to do. Uh, even though like he's had like so many games of consecutive 20 point games and, and all that, but uh, you just go back to his MVP season uh, where he's handling the ball all the time, kind of like he is in these staggered lineups. And, statistically he's just worlds better than everybody else and I just wonder um, I think he's regressed a little bit in his ball handling this year but I just wonder if it looks if his stats just look similar um, and if he could even be better than what LeBron is posting maybe not in his passing but I think in all other areas he might he might do a little bit better yeah definitely with LeBron I don't think there's been many players in recent history who control every aspect of the team when they're on the court like he does. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's like Magic Johnson-esque. Yeah. The way that he does it. And he's the, the, the longevity in which he's done it, I think it is another thing that's just underrated. That this guy has been doing this since 2003. <laughs> I mean, that's a long time to be playing at such a high level, and he's still been incredible and i i don't know i think you're right that people are just tired of talking about him people are people are tired of it because he's just been at the top for so long and there's really what's left to say <laughs> there's not a whole lot left to say but um it's fun talking about the warriors it's fun talking about Kawhi leonard even durant you're not totally burnt out on yet but there's just not a lot left to say about lebron so moving on to the next two guys so if, if you were thinking about this as tears like LeBron is clearly on his own tier based on our average rank. Yeah. Um, and then the second tier is two guys that have separated themselves from everyone else. It's LeBron or Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard. And Kevin Durant was actually number two. And I thought the most surprising statistic was the points against per shot. Yeah. Because Kevin Durant is tied with LeBron at .88. They're both tied for second overall among small forwards, which is better than Kawhi Leonard. And I, I'm not like going to try to make a case based on one stat that Durant is as good defensively as Kawhi, because I don't think that. But I at least think that you have to say, well, he's definitely not the reason why the Thunder have dropped off defensively yeah. um, this year. And also, just in a broader sense, like Durant's pretty good at de- defensively, and we just never give him enough credit for that. He definitely deserves some credit for his improvement this year. Um, he, he's, like I, like I posed with at the beginning with Kawhi Leonard, who is nearly always, it's either him or Danny Green that's taking the toughest defensive assignment. Uh, it's nearly always Andre Robertson, um, at least with these perimeter guys. So it makes a little bit of sense um, with Durant having such a good points against per shot. But he's been great. Like he he has like he he guarded Steph Curry a lot in Oklahoma City when they played when they played here, uh, which was really impressive. And he, I think he, he's, to talk about underrated seasons, he and LeBron are having underrated seasons. I think kind of the the darlings of this season are definitely Steph Curry and Kawhi Leonard, um, while LeBron and KD are kind of being overlooked for having seasons that are both, in my opinion, better than Kawhi's, and then probably closer to Steph Curry's than people want to really think about. And he's getting overshadowed by his, his own teammate. Like all, yeah. all we're hearing right now is all of Westbrook's triple doubles. The triple doubles, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it is amazing, <laughs> and he doesn't seem and the the great thing, like the anti-LeBron thing that he's doing, is that 
he doesn't seem to really care. Like he, he's he's talking about how much he loves Oklahoma City. He he's talking about how he thinks Ennis Cantor is the sixth man of the year. Like those are the things that he's talking about that are in the media, um, which is kind of nice to, uh, to be a part of the fan base <laughs> that gets to that gets to follow him. Um, but he's been he's been great, and Kawhi's been awesome too. It's just hard to. It's just you just wonder if like this is like the Kawhi that we're going to see going forward, or if this is kind of an aberration. Yeah, I, you, you talked about um, how some of these stats are more team specific. I think the best indicator of that for Durant is his set screen outcome efficiency. Oh yeah, because he is like leagues better than ev- all the other small forwards. It's he's at thirteen point nine nine. It's number one overall, um, and that's because he's getting to run pick and rolls with Westbrook or Cantor. You know, these guys who are really good in the pick and roll. Yep. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, just to compare that to someone like Kawhi Leonard, who ranks 26th overall in set screen outcome efficiency, only a 7.4. Um, I'm assuming that's because they don't run them in the pick and roll a lot. Well, uh, and a lot of these guys, you could say, are they're not the guys who are setting the pick, but they're the guys that are running the pick and roll. Um, talking about guys... Um, like Giannis and Paul George and Gordon Hayward and even Carmelo Anthony and Andre Iguodala and LeBron and even Kawhi. Like Kawhi is not Kawhi won't is typically not the guy setting the screen. Um, he's a guy that's has the ball. So um, they kind of get the other angle of the set screen outcome efficiency. And, Durant, and what's unique about Durant is that he does both, and he does them both just very very well. And uh, and obviously Kawhi shows up great defensively. He was sixth in points against per shot. He was also fourth in fouls per shot. So not only is he a good defender, but he's not fouling either. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one of these guys, only one of any small forward to rank in the top five of both offensive rebounds and def- defensive rebounds per chance. Yeah, he's. It's it's still astounding the the jump that he's made. I mean, it's it's way bigger than what LeBron or Durant had to make. Like you could see stardom on these guys since they were like 17 years old. Uh, Kawhi couldn't shoot the ball <laughs> coming out of college, um, and to become the player that he is today is just a testament to how much he cares about basketball. To have a points per chance of 0.25 for a guy that came into the league who quote unquote could not shoot, and to have a points per shot of 1.28. I mean, that is absurd. It's absurd. Yeah, he, he, he's right behind Durant for points per shot. Yeah, it, it's it, I don't it's it's astounding. People thought, well, maybe if he can get a corner three, then he'll be very useful for the Spurs. Oh no, he's their superstar. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But he, and they he, got him for George Hill. I was trying to think last <sighs> night of where George Hill ranks in the uh, like starting point guards in the league. Uh, it's probably not great. <laughs> yeah, it's probably in. He's probably like in the twenty range. Yeah, like I mean, he's so, like I. I love George Hill. Yeah, like, me too. I, I like George Hill a lot. He's very good, but he's certainly a role playing uh, point guard. He's not a. He's not a give me the ball, and I'll run your offense, or I'll. Like he's he's like Patrick Beverly on steroids. You know. Yeah. He's he's great, but is he, he's 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 not Kawhi. And just imagine, and people have said this a lot, but imagine that Indiana team with Kawhi and Paul George on the wings. Like it would, it would be ridiculous. Like you'd have a, an East powerhouse over there with those two because they could cover the entire perimeter. And then, I mean, they're going to take up a bulk of your scoring on offense. I mean, that would be 
incredible, but they but they certainly missed out. And you wonder, like, is he going to be the same player with the different infrastructure um, around him? I I honestly think that that really discredits Kawhi and gives maybe a little bit a little bit too much credit to the Spurs. Because like you, you just read the Lee Jenkins story about this guy. Like he only cares about basketball. Like that's literally it. <laughs> and and wing stop, and that's it. <laughs> uh, okay, so that was tier one and tier two. So tier three, there's four guys in tier three. Um, so this is the fourth through the seventh ranked, and in order, it's Carmelo Anthony, Jay Crowder, Paul George, and Giannis. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good group. I, th- I think Melo's another guy who's having an underrated season. Like he's a, he's been pretty good. He just kind of has a crap team around him, and now he has a coach that seemingly is like a joke. Like I, it just doesn't really make sense the stuff that he says. Um, but yeah, he, it's weird the uh, the turn that the Knicks season has taken. Because uh, I was generally like pretty excited about their future, but once you add Kurt Rambis in the mix, I'm just. Yeah, <laughs> I'm terrified for them. The excitement for Porzingis has gone down significantly since uh, he's taken over. Because like you look back and like you thought like, oh man, Derek Fisher sucks. Like this guy's a horrible coach, and like the grass is not always greener on the other side. <laughs> I mean, it's really, <laughs> it's really kind of sad uh, to see where the Knicks are today. Because I mean, he's he's doing what he did to Kevin Love in Minnesota. You know, like making him into a player that he's really not and um, really halting his development. And it's, and it's it's not even like he's a guy like Jamie Bickerstaff who didn't really have a lot of head coaching experience before. Right. So you didn't really, you didn't really know what's going to happen. Like we know that Kurt Rambis is bad. <laughs> it's been well documented. <laughs> we have plenty of evidence. <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, if you're the Knicks, I mean, I'm really. It's really awesome that Phil Jackson chose Porzingis, but you've got to let Phil Jackson go. Like you do, because it feels like their only hope right now is just praying that Luke Walton wants to come there for some reason. Yes, <laughs> and I just feel like he'll have a lot better options. Yeah, I, yeah, that would be a mistake by Luke Walton. I think they're just not ready. They're not ready f- to have a coach like that. I think. I think Melo needs to waive his no trade clause, and they need to let him go to a place where he can be relevant. Because if he doesn't, then he's probably just going to influence them this summer, and they're going to make another round of kind of like these mid free agent signings. Yeah, they'll find they'll find the next Aaron to follow, and they'll be the tenth seed again. Like they're going to. I mean, I just don't. I don't see a path to this team being great, except for if Porzingis just makes a massive jump. But they just don't have guards. Like Langston Galloway is he their best guard? Probably. <laughs> That's not great. They need they need guards, and I know that they've been rumored to like they wanted Jeff Teague and guys like that. But like, sorry guys, you don't have the assets to get Jeff Teague. Uh, you traded away all your draft picks, and um, really, I mean, can you explain another scenario that would make them better or make at least their path a little bit better than trading Carmelo for young players and picks? Uh, I just think that there's it's a no-brainer because this team is going nowhere fast. Yeah. Um, so back to uh, Carmelo. So two things. He is top 10 in both true facilitation and points against per shot. Yeah. Um, and he's top five in points per chance. So he's he's scoring well. He's a great passer. And he's actually defending really well. He has a points against per shot below one. He's at .96 
we just mentioned about Durant and LeBron were at 0.88, and then Kawhi was at 0.92. So he's right in that range. Yeah, 9.6 um, is, is great for a guy like Melo, who you don't really expect that much out of. Right, and especially on that team who doesn't, oh. you know, who has Jose Calderon as their starting point guard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you kind of, I mean, he's a guy that should rank really high in his set screen outcome efficiency. Um, but he, where's he at? Let me see. Like he's kind of middling, um, among these small forwards. So yeah. And you wonder who he's running those pick and rolls with. Yeah. I mean, if he had a decent point guard, like they could, like he could be really great. Like he could be Durant-esque in the pick and roll. Um, if he had, he doesn't have, you don't even have to have a Russell Westbrook. Like you could have just a, an average point guard and they could be a lot better, but um, again, I don't see a path to that happening with the Knicks. So I, I really, I think waving his no trade clause and getting him out of there. And but all accounts, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to stay in New York. He just he just wants to be in New York, which is fine, I guess. <laughs> and then, so the next guy was Jay Crowder. Which yeah, there's a few there's a few guys coming up that uh, we haven't talked about yet, but who are ranked much higher than I thought they would be. Jay Crowder is ranked really high, but I actually think he probably deserves it because um, he really has had an incredible year. And I kind of knew going in that he was going to rank high just because there's so many defensive statistics in here, and I know that he's going to show up really well in those. Um, but he, he's basically like in the top 10 to 15 for the majority of these stats. It's not necessarily that he's elite at one thing. He's just very consistent. He's kind of like a jack-of-all-trades, which is kind of how we think of him already, mm-hmm. and that shows up in the stats. Yeah, he's just really solid across the board. Um, his shooting has been good. Like he has his points per shot at one point one seven, which is which is really great. It's it's higher than Paul George, which I don't know that a lot of people would even guess. Um, his points per chance isn't higher than Paul George because he's not creating his own shot nearly as much as Paul George is. But his just general um, shot selection has been great this season. His ability to hit the three. Um, and get out in transition has been really key for him. Uh, his true facilitation kind of surprised me. Like I, like a one point two four true facilitation isn't great, but he's like in the middle of the pack there. Which is if you can have a small four that can at least move the ball and find open players, which is kind of what Crowder's doing. Uh, that's extremely valuable. And then not to mention his defensive stats, like you said, like this guy is is really good. He doesn't foul. His points allowed per screen is elite. Um. Yeah, his beat, he never gets beat back on defense, hardly ever, um, and he's forcing tons of turnovers. So he's he's an extremely valuable player, uh, and and like the league, I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere because he was traded from Dallas, and he wasn't nearly this player in Dallas um, as just kind of a throw, almost a throw-in um, with the Rajon Rondo trade. Uh, it, it seemed like it was they're basically getting a first rounder, and then just the chance at trying Jay Crowder out, and he's probably the Celtics' most valuable player. I know, it's in that trade. Like we always talk about the KG trade, the KG and Paul Pierce trade. Yep. Uh, like what a, what a robbery that was. But I mean, there's a legit shot that the Mavs could drop out of the playoffs, and so Boston's going to end up getting a late lottery pick. NJ Crowder for Rayshon Rondo. Unbelievable. I mean, it really is. No, and maybe the maybe one of the reasons why no one is trading with Boston 
why they didn't make a trade the trade deadline is because they see stuff like this and they're like, We're, we can't, we cannot afford to make a trade with Danny Ainge at this point because <laughs> he is yeah. going to just strip us of our assets and then everyone will laugh at us. Like they're like the Mavs and like Brooklyn and like everybody else. I mean, we just, we can't. We, I mean, Dallas was probably like, we didn't know what we had with Jay Crowder. Like, we, if we knew that this is the guy, then we would have never done this trade. Right. Um, so it's <laughs> yeah. like he's, yeah. he's legitimately um, like a fringe all star type player. It feels like there's one just like beautiful Celtics Kings trade. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's just going to be like the greatest Danny Ainge trade of all time. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. It's, and then he'll just retire. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. And even a guy that's in this next tier, what they've done with a guy like Evan Turner has been really, right. has been really impressive. Uh, Evan, he's still, he's, his reputation is still just kind of rock bottom. Like he's just, most people don't think of him as a good player at all. Uh, but he's been highly effective for them this season. Um, in a lot of different capacities, and they found a really nice role for him. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why that hasn't really caught up yet to with the rest of the league that actually Evan Turner is actually good. Like he's not, he's not a shooter. Uh, he's not a guy who's gonna who can start at the small forward or shooting guard and spot up and take shots. But he's certainly a guy who can run your second unit um, and even close games for you in spots and do it really effectively. So it's, I don't know. I you just. That's where like the Brad Stevens stuff, like you can really see it um, come to life, is with guys like Evan Turner and Jay Crowder, like these guys who, like Jay Crowder was really kind of a nothing player last year into the guy he is today, and then Evan Turner was a guy who was like a he was damaged goods when he came to Boston, um, and he's looking really good, and he could actually get a nice contract this summer. Um. So we, we uh, should probably talk about Paul George and Giannis real quick. Yes. Um, Paul George is a guy who I thought was probably going to show up a little better. Um, and I think if we had done this maybe after the first two months of the season, yeah. he probably would have been like in the top four. Sure. Um, but he's, he's one of these guys who shows up really well for a stat points per chance. He's third overall. But then his points per shot drops down, and he only ranks 13th among small forwards. Now, am I understanding this correctly, that that would mean that when he's on the floor, the team is good offensively, but for his individual shots, it would be less efficient? Yeah, yeah, I think that's certainly it. And the points per chance, if you're a guy who can create your own, your own shot, you typically, it favors guys with points per chance, typically. Like, you can look at really the top three guys, Durant, Kawhi, LeBron, Paul George, uh, Carmelo, uh, Gordon Hayward, Danilo Gallinari, Andrew Wiggins. All those guys are creating their own shots. And then you look at guys like Andre Iguodala, P.J. Tucker, um, Matt Barnes, uh, Alfred Gaminu, uh, Harrison Barnes. All those guys rank toward the bottom. Um, and they're not necessarily all bad at points per shot. I mean, Andre Iguodala is like up toward... Um, up in the top 10 in points per shot, but all those guys rank really far down because they're re- they don't take as many shots um, and they're they're not handling the ball as much and they're not creating like these other guys are and they're not carrying the bulk of the offense. Um, so guys who are carrying the bulk of the offense are going to get more points per chance than they are um, and it doesn't necessarily indicate they'll have a good points per shot. But like guys like Durant who are highly efficient, 
Um, he ranks number one in both because he is not only taking the load of the offense, but he's also very, very efficient. Um, George just isn't as efficient, but he is carrying a load of the offense. So like high-scoring guys are typically going to be great in points per chance, but not necessarily points per shot. And then Giannis. Um, Giannis actually was very similar to Jay Crowder's stats. Yeah, isn't um, that weird? Especially offensively. Like they, they were very similar. They were ranked right about the same for points per chance, points per shot, and true facilitation. The true facilitation uh, is what really was really weird to me, how, clo- how right. close they are. And I think if you did that from just like the last month, Giannis would have to be a lot higher. Yes, without a just doubt. Just because when they lost MCW and then OJ Mayo, they, I mean, they really just have Jared Bayless as their like starting point guard, even though that's right. not really what he's doing. Yeah, he's point Giannis now. He's been, he's been really he's been really good. It's he's so much he is so much fun to watch, just because seeing a guy of that size uh, with that athletic ability who can handle the ball like he does, um, it's really impressive. Uh, he, he's he's really good. He he may be not as good as um, what some people think, but he is. I mean, he's right up there with a lot of these small forwards and. How how old is he? Is he like seventeen? Like how old is this guy? Is he, <laughs> yeah, he aged, he ages backwards. Is he is he twenty twenty one? Yeah, I think he's twenty one. Yeah, I mean, like this dude is this dude is insane, and, and you understand kind of why people were on the Bucks bandwagon, looking at just just salivating at the talent they have with him and Jabari Parker. Um, they clearly weren't ready f- to make that jump yet, but you have to think that next year. Uh, that that jump could actually happen uh, with the improvement of Giannis. Yeah, he just turned 21 in December. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> he, he, he is younger than uh, Buddy Heald. Yeah, like a lot younger. Younger than Chris, <laughs> younger than Chris Dunn. Uh, yeah, in fact, he's only a year older than Ben Simmons because Ben <laughs> Simmons is going to be 20 at the draft. <laughs> that's insane. The Bucks, I mean, and and where they got him in the draft, um, yeah, an, an incredible pick by the Milwaukee in a, Bucks in a bad draft. Yeah, yeah, in a draft where I mean, that was a Stephen Adams draft. Yeah, like he probably he should be the number should have been in the number one pick. Looking back, him or Gobert? You don't, think, you don't think Anthony Bennett was the right choice? Oh my gosh, that draft is incredible to look back at. Okay, like, so tier four. Um, there are seven guys in this one. Mm-hmm. So this is number eight through number 14. This is an order. Number eight, Lou Aldang. <laughs> number nine, Evan Turner. Number 10, Andre Iguodala. Number 11, Chandler Parsons. 12, Gordon Hayward. Tw- or, oh, tied for 12, Nicholas Batum. And then 14th is Harrison Barnes. This is a, um, this is a weird, weird group. It is, especially Lou Aldang. The Dang and Evan Turner just start out that group. Like if you were to rank these guys, um, just like just from your your knowledge of these guys, you would say, "Wow!" Like probably Nick Batum's at the top, followed by maybe Iguodala and Gordon Hayward and Harrison Barnes, Chandler Parsons, and then maybe Iguodala, or then maybe Dang and then Turner. But no, like they lead the pack with these with this group. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, I knew that. Lou Deng was having like a better 
season, especially in last year or even the last couple of years, I didn't realize how good it had been. Um, And, you know, other than offensive rebounds per chance and fouls per shot, it's not like he's really elite in anything. Um, But he's another one of those guys like Jay Crowder, obviously not as good as him, but who just shows up really well across the board in almost every stat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just not he just doesn't really hurt you in anything. I think there's only two stats that he ranks below like the top 20 in. So he's in top 20 for 10 of these 12 stats. Yeah, he he doesn't foul. Um, His points against per shot isn't elite, but it's under one. Um, He rebounds pretty well for, especially offensively. His offensive rebound actually has has been incredible and a big asset to the Heat this year. Um, But yeah, there's nothing that really pops up. just incredible for him, but he um, he's just been solid and been available <laughs> too. Has been kind of the big thing for him is um, just his availability to play. And then Evan Turner, he's like the opposite story where he is elite in a very few categories, and then he's awful in a couple categories. <laughs> I mean, he he's he is tied for the worst in points per shot, which right. makes sense because you know if there's one thing that everyone knows about Evan Turner, it's that he's not. Very, he's not a very good shooter. Yeah. Um, but he obviously is a is great passer. He's number two in true facilitation, only behind LeBron. And then in one of these more random stats, the beat back on D rate, he ranks number three. And I was wondering, do you, at first I thought, well, that must just be a product of Brad Stevens' system. Like mm-hmm. the other thing with closeout points allowed, he's ranks number ten. Like maybe that's just a part of their system. But then Jay Crowder doesn't show up that well in those stats. So I don't know how to judge those two. Man, I just, I really, those are the two like effort stats that you see that you can, like, even if a guy's not that talented of a defender, like Evan Turner, who's like, he's not a talented defender. Um, But if you can, if he can contribute in those two ways, like that's very, very helpful to a defense. Um, If you're just not allowing guys to get back and he's, I mean, he's playing functionally, he's playing point guard most of the time. So if you can, if he can be back on D and get out on point guards or shooting guards, for that matter, um, man, like that's a huge asset um, if you're not killing your team offensively. Um, so his ability to to dish out shots and honestly, like the Knicks are rumored to want him. We talked about like he needs a pick, like Carmelo needs a pick and roll partner. Evan Turner might be like a decent solution for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny to say, but like he actually, he he could actually be really helpful to the to the Knicks this year because he does. He's a guy who gives effort and a guy who just sees the floor um, in a kind of a special way. And you assume that they could get him for cheaper than they could get Rondo, um, who is yeah. the name that they, they keep being linked oh, to. Please don't do this, Knicks. Please don't do this. <laughs> that, Honestly, that was- I'd rather have Evan Turner than Rajon Rondo because of the price. Um, and the fact that he's a guy who you, you you know that if he's if he's just not performing, then you can put him to the bench. Like Rondo, I mean, if you got this guy on a long term deal that's expensive, like you could be screwed <laughs> by this right. guy. Like it could end up being really bad. And I actually I so we haven't done point guards yet, but I'm very interested to see what how Rondo shows up in some of these more hustle defensive stats. Yes, by all accounts, he's been very lazy this year. <laughs> uh so number 10 was uh igudala yeah who um you know I, I think some of this is probably the fact that he's on possibly the greatest team of all time mm-hmm. um but i do think 
after going through here, I kind of understood the six man of the year kind of bandwagon for him a little bit more because mm-hmm. he has he has been really good. He has he's he's essential to what they do. Um, he's a guy that moves the ball extremely well. Another guy who has just kind of a special vision for a small forward. Uh, his ability to make open shots has been really great for them this year. Uh, he sets tons of screens for them, and it usually results in something great uh, for their offense. Uh, and then obviously we know the kind of defender that he is. Um, although he, he doesn't actually show up as a great defender, his, his points against Prashad are over one. He's at 1.01, but um, – I just don't believe that that's telling us the whole story of what he's been doing this season. Um, I do think he's regressed some, um, but he's still able to do the the things that he always has been, and that's pass and and make shots. So he's extremely valuable to them. Uh, we've kind of seen with the with the Golden State Warriors struggling against teams like the Timberwolves that uh, he is very much needed, and a guy like Harrison Barnes, who you'd think like, oh, he'll just he'll just step in and, and play that same role or be a guy that can help facilitate. Like he just he just does not have the same level um, of skill that Iguodala does. Yeah, because when I first was looking at Iguodala, I was thinking, well, some of this has to just be the fact that he's on the Golden State Warriors. They're so good. They're such a great uh, passing team. You know, he ranks seventh in true facilitation. Two point oh five was his uh, score. Yeah. But then Harrison Barnes is 0.73. He ranks 29th among all small forwards in true facilitation, um, which is pretty impressive to be on a team like the Warriors and not have like even an average true facilitation. Yeah, he, he's a guy who, yeah, is, is, it's interesting because it's a team full of ball movers, but he's not one of them. <laughs> he's a guy yeah. who um, who they try to get in mismatches on post-ups and they try to get him the ball in the corner for threes and stuff like that. Like he's certainly a score for them. Um, and he just had, he honestly hasn't been that good for them lately. And uh, honestly, I'm really worried about whatever team gives him a huge deal. If he leaves the Warriors and expects him to be, you know, like a number one or number two guy. Mm-hmm. Like he could be a, a, like a better defensive Jeff Green. Yes. You yes. know, I, mean, I, I, I never thought about that, but yes, that could be him. Cause he, I mean, you just even, I mean, when you think about him, like he's not really an elite anything. Like he's just has, he basically has an elite NBA body. Um, and that's about, honestly, like that's, that's it. And he has still has tons of potential. Like he could become a better player than a guy like Jeff Green. And maybe that was kind of mean to say, but um, <laughs> I don't know. He, you just you just look at him across the board, and it's like his points per shot is it's middling, one point one four. I mean, you would expect that to be a little higher for playing like a team like the Warriors. His set screen outcome efficiency is actually pretty good. Um, he's a decent offensive. He's a good offensive rebounder, not a great defensive rebounder. Um, he's a good at defending screens. And his beat back on D rates high, but that's about it. I mean, otherwise this guy is um, just kind of a he's a he's kind of a meh offensive player um, who has who is just an elite athlete and really lucky to be on a team like the Warriors. Yeah. So and so the three guys in between Iguodala and Barnes was uh, Parsons, Hayward, and Batum. Uh, three guys who I feel like we know you know a lot about these guys have been around for a while yeah they showed up they showed up about where i thought they would um kind of middle of the pack but still like 
in that class of good small forwards. Yeah, they're and they're all they're all kind of similar players actually because they're all guys that can score the basketball. They're going to have the ball in their hands a lot. Um, they can all pass pretty well, um, and they all make their teams much better. Like yeah, Batum, Batum, for sure. Like I've been really amazed at what Batum's been able to do this season. Yeah, and Parsons when he had come back. Um, at first it was really bad. Um, but just like within the last month, he had really started looking really good. And then, you know, everything ends and now he's going to be a free agent and he's having another knee surgery. And meniscus is, that's really unfortunate for him. You think that, I mean, I don't know. You, you would think like off the top of your head, oh, he's probably going to lose some money this year. But then you look at his teammate, Wes Matthews. Um, wings are just in demand. Somebody's going to max him out somewhere because someone's going to have the money and they're going to say, we need a wing. And Chandler Parsons is available. And a lot of people think that his value could be hurt by this, but I just, I don't see that. I just think that this market's just going to be that insane. (laughs) Yeah. I think if for any question uh, or for any player where the question is, is this going to hurt their value this summer? The answer is probably no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I think you can just assume that everyone's going to get overpaid. Yeah, yeah, everybody, everybody. This is the, if you're a free agent, if you can be a free agent, because Parsons could opt in um, into his contract for next season. Some people think right. that he might try to do that. No, no, he's gonna. I mean, if the Mavs can give him a five-year deal, great. If, if somebody else wants to give him a four-year max deal. Uh, he will jump at the chance to do that, and I'm sure that there's a lot of teams that would want to do that. I mean, the king, uh, like the Kings, would give him a, a four-year max deal today. You know? Yeah, yes, yes, they would. And there's other teams that aren't quite that dumb that would do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so that that was the top 14. So th- then I feel like it kind of starts to drop off after that. So the final 10 in order. This is from 15 to 24. Uh, Rudy Gay, Danilo Gallinari, Trevor Riza, Andrew Wiggins, Al Farouk Aminu, Marcus Morris, Jeff Green, Otto Porter Jr., P.J. Tucker, and the last one, Matt Barnes. Uh, Matt Barnes. Okay. Who, uh, who was actually in his own tier as well. <laughs> uh, tell me this. Who, who are your three most disappointing players in this group? Um. Uh, I, I don't really want to say Wiggins. I guess I would say Wiggins, uh, yeah. but um, because I do think he'll be better, I'm not actually surprised that he showed up so poorly because we've kind of been tracking him for a while now. His defense has uh, been that bad this season. Yeah, so I'm not necessarily surprised, but yeah. I guess I might be a little disappointed. Um, Danilo, I, I definitely am not surprised because he shows up where I thought he would show up really well and he shows mm-hmm. up horrible where I thought he would show up really horrible. <laughs> like he's ranked 42nd in points against per shot at 1.12, which is kind of absurd. That's really um, bad. But then offensively he's eighth in points per chance and he's fifth in points per shot. Um, so he is exactly what you thought he was <laughs> and, he, and that shows up in the stats. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, a guy like Al Farouk Aminu, um, who I was really excited for the Trailblazers to get him. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought he might be like a, another Jay Crowder where he would kind of explode this year, given yeah. a little bit more free reign. 
Um, he just hasn't been great. I mean, he's been fine, and I think that that contract's going to be fine. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's been a little disappointing. Yeah, I think my most disappointing guy is Otto Porter. Yeah, he's he's just really struggled this season. He's he's a guy who ranked really good in defensive stats last year, but he's just not that guy this year. <laughs> um, he's he's one of the lower guys in points against per shot as well where where was he he's yeah at, he's at 1.08 1.08 that's just i mean that's really bad i think he's the the second worst of every of anybody on this list uh which is i mean that he really should just be like a three and d type player who can be a ball mover um and he doesn't even show up as anything like that <laughs> like he like he's I don't know. He's he's almost like a poor man's Jeff Green, like when Jeff Green was this age. Um Jeff Green wasn't even this bad. I don't even know if Jeff Green is this is this bad right now. So it's yeah, it's he, it's he, funny he, that they're back to back and they're both in Georgetown, but <laughs> he Otto Porter only ranks in the top twenty for two of these stats. So he's the second offensive rebounder uh in offensive rebounds per chance. Um, so obviously that's an elite skill of his, and then he's eighth in turnover source per chance, which is another good stat to have. Yeah. Um, but everything else, he is twenty first <laughs> or worse. Yeah, that's kind of sad because I mean, that was a that was a really important pick for the Washington Wizards, uh, and it's just not working out for them at all. Um, but yeah, I got a guy who I was who I've been kind of pleasantly surprised about, like. At the beginning of the season, I'm, I don't know if I would even have. I know this guy's toward the bottom, but uh, Marcus Morris, who's been kind of a, a pleasant surprise for the Detroit Pistons this year, right? Um, the fact that we even I even included him is <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like impressive. Like if you'd say he's in the top twenty for small forwards, like wow, like that's I wouldn't have even projected him to be that. Um, yeah, and then a guy on the on the disappointing side is Trevor Ariza. Um, who I think that you could target as a guy who you know, has been a part of the problem in Houston. He just has not been the same type of player. His points per shot, he ranks 27th of, among all these guys in this group. Um, his points against per shot is at 1.02, which is like, that's just really unacceptable for a guy like Trevor Ariza. Um, and the Houston Rockets have been bad on defense all season, but he's – He's just been one of those guys who's been really disappointing and who has not helped this team. So I uh, I think that he, along with Otto Porter, are probably my two most disappointing among this group. Yeah, and you know, there's someone like Rudy Gay who I think you could say is disappointing, but I think that has more to do just with the name recognition. Sure. You know, if you if you really have been following Rudy Gay, and even if you look at his contract, like I feel like He's basically doing what you expect him to do. Yes. Um, he, he's not massively overpaid. He's still like a good creator. He's 10th uh, in points per chance. Um, and, he, and he shows up well in a few other stats. He's 8th in set scream outcome efficiency. He's 4th in offensive rebounding. Um, but he's just not that elite small forward that I feel like people used to think he was back in Memphis. Yeah, he, he's you're exactly right. But if you were just to say this, that he's the 15th best small forward. Like, yeah, so, sure. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't I think that he's he's almost landed perfectly in the right spot for me. Um so 
But anyways, I think we learned that LeBron James is a lot better than a lot of people are thinking this season. Um, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard are super elite. Our Carmelo Anthony, Jay Crowder, Paul George, and Giannis might be even a little bit underrated. Um, and certainly guys like Luol Dang and Evan Turner who are having great seasons are people just aren't talking about them. But thanks for listening to the Home Court Vantage podcast. You can find us at Vantage Sports. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. You can find me at Andrew underscore Schlecht. Uh, you can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, if you're a listener week in, week out, please leave us that review. That would be really helpful. And have a great rest of your week.